Hello all and welcome to another episode of Your One Black Friend. I am your hostess, Jolie, or you can call me Jo. I want to start this episode with a question. If you had a chance and you could control how you become successful, would you rather have a success that takes a month? Would you rather be successful in three months? Would you rather be successful in a year, five years, or 10 years? Feel free to comment below and let me know before I kind of go off. And then you can comment again at the end of the video to let me know if your mind has changed. Just first answer that comes into your mind. I'm not tricking you, send a trick question. I wanna see the impact such discussions have on the psyche. I think most people, if you say, would you want to be successful? Let's say for example, if you are a social media content creator and you had the chance and they said, hey, listen, we can take your video and we can blow it up and have you go viral, right? Let's say you've got like 10 videos. We can have all these videos go viral. In a month of you doing these videos, you're gonna get as much exposure as, as you possibly can. People will know of you, companies will reach out to you in a month. Would you take that? Or if they came and said, the same person came and said, um, you will have to build up a following over time, build up a body of work over time, fine tune your message, fine tune your story, get better equipment, get, a, get better writing, work with different people, really under the shadows of sort of anonymity as you're creating your persona, as you're finding your voice, as you're finding your style, we will give you a year and then you will have success. And then they present a third option and they say the same thing. You get five years. You have to be consistent for five years, working on your craft, fine tuning your work, thinking of what you have to offer the general public, taking L's, reworking, <laughs> reworking concepts, getting feedback, five years. Which option do you take? And then of course there's the final option and let's just say it's like 15 years. Which option would you take upfront? I feel like if a person hadn't watched the videos leading up to this one or they were maybe on the same wavelength as you and I, those who are drawn to this sort of topics and these sort of discussions, I think the average person would probably want a month. They would probably take a month. They would say, yeah, give me, like blow me up after a month. I want as much exposure as possible. I feel like with this level of exposure, I can then take things, all the opportunities that I've been given and blow them up from there, right? I want to be successful in as quickly a way as I possibly can. And as I keep talking, I'm sure in the back of your mind, you're starting to realize that maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. All right, so I hinted about this on the other episodes. Um, there was a mini series I did. So two episodes and the last episode before this one, it's called The Curse of Success. And, um, and how success, I put success in quotes, just success, how society defines success, not actual like success in the way you define success. Although the way you define success could also be applicable. But I hinted that on, about this on, the, on these episodes. I basically said like, what does it look like? What do you want success to look like? And think about the timeline, the time frame in which you want that to take. 
you almost always want things to take time. Anything good takes time. I always say this to my cousin. He's learning how to trade. For those of you who are regular listeners, I reference, he's been trying to learn how to trade for about a year. And he's learning. I think the biggest issue for him is not the actual metrics of it. The biggest issue is the psychology of it. So he has been trying to learn the right mindset for sustained profits over time. So it's not building a sort of a habit. It's more framing your mind so that you have the mind of a trader and the discipline of a, of a trader and the non-reactivity and the emotional control of a trader. These things take time. Now, what I always try to say to him and remind him is there are people out there in that field who, when they started, were faced with no adversity in the sense of they went in and it was like they had this like Midas touch. I've read about this actually. I can't think of the book right now, but it was when I wanted to like day trade. It was years ago. Um, but before jumping in, I wanted to read about what, what I was doing so that I had an understanding of, you know, what day trading is, the psychology and emotional sort of resilience and things like that. And I remember reading a story of this guy who like his whole career, he was always sort of like really good at trading. He was like this golden boy. And then there was like a flash crash. And so five, 10 years of success, he had the nice car, had the beautiful wife, had the nice home because things just kept going his way. Now, if he would have watched this video, he would have known, wait, maybe I should take a step back and learn to take L's, but he didn't. So he shot up to the top and then a flash crash happened. And then because his growth was so astronomic, he hadn't put down roots. He didn't really understand what to do in a bear market and a negative market because he had just been so positively driven and everything kept going his way. And people around him were also hyping him up, right? So that when adversity struck, he had no defenses for it because he didn't take the slow approach of like taking hits, learning how to take hits, right? So that when things go down, because he had built a steady sort of habit of, okay, things are up, I'm doing well. When What do I do when things are down? Don't panic or don't get overconfident. He couldn't prepare for, he wasn't well prepared for adversity. So what I always said was, if you are going through adversarial situations where you're constantly being challenged, understand that the intelligence behind our reality favors you. It's a different sort of perspective because you almost feel like, oh, well, no, that means I have bad luck. It's like, depends on your perspective. But if you're working towards something and you're just continuously taking hits, right? It's like the difference between a boxer who also learns how to use like the boxing reference, also learns how to defend themselves, herself, versus a, a boxer who's just really good at knocking people out, right? So if you're just really good at knocking people out, that's great until you meet a, con <laughs> until you meet a competitor who maybe isn't gonna get knocked out as easily or knows how to block you. And then what? If you've just been knocking people out in the first round, you don't know how to properly prepare for when those hits don't work. And so when that person, when you go to knock that person out and then they block you and then you get that uppercut and you're stunned, that's it. 
So the, the key to these sort of discussions is learning to recognize, especially if you are in a period where things are going your way, because most of the stuff that you see out there is people encouraging you when things aren't going your way, keep going. But what I will always do on this podcast and on this channel is continuously remind you to always look at the opposite as well. So if things are constantly going your way, that's a really good time to kind of take a step back and go, I, I can't go, it can't, there's, it's not just gonna keep going up. Take a step back and then start at that point preparing for what should I do should things not go my way instead of just expecting that no matter what you do, life will just keep giving you lemonade. Case in point, everyone's been talking about this submarine story, so I feel like I can use it <laughs> as a narrative. It's, it's a tragic story. If you haven't heard of it, I'm surprised because I don't watch the news. I'm not even on social media like that. And somehow I'm aware of this submarine story as well. Um, but if you Google it, you'll find it. I don't want to give it too much details. But for those of you who are familiar with it, I did some research and looked it up. And apparently this was not, I thought this was their maiden vo voyage. So um, Alwyn posted about this on our Telegram group. Shout out to Alwyn. And it was like, I think probably the second time I heard about it, but I decided, oh, let me go check it out and see what people are saying. And it was like a news report. I thought it was like the maiden voyage. So what I said was, yeah, you never want to be first on any new thing because it's, unless it's a statistical fluke, like nine times out of 10, it's not going to go well. But this situation was the statistical fluke where the first, I think, five attempts did go well. And so when you watch, I don't, I'm not, I'm not 100% certain on the name, like the number of attempts this thing had before the tragedy struck. But if you go and watch the interview that was posted, I think they were interviewed on like 60 minutes or something like that. And the, the, the pilot, the owner of the company, um, or at least the CEO of the company that took people down and did the dives, he seemed overly confident. Like that to me was a person who life just kept giving him lemonade, right? Like he felt really proud of himself and the things that he did. And honestly, he should be. I, I'm going to be one of the few people who are going to say that the only thing that this guy did wrong, well, there's a lot of things that this guy did wrong, but one of the few, one of the things that he did wrong was that he was not humble. And that's what we're talking about, right? Being humble and humble in a different sense than what humility has come to be understood now. And what I mean by that is that at no point in time, like he, you could tell like he's a very smart guy, right? And he put this whole thing together. He was like, I break the rules. Sometimes you got to do that. That's not a rare mindset. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of these guys that you see that end up being really successful, it's a double-edged sword. That mindset of sometimes you just gotta like risk things and not be so risk averse, that is what, that's a quality, that's a trait of very successful individuals. They are aware of risks, but they don't stop doing something simply because it's risky. Like if you think about the sort of leaps that a person has to take to start a business on their own, right? Like that takes balls, it does. And so I wanted to kind of look at the story and say, what can we take from this? Because had the disaster not happened and had this guy actually valued safety, because that's one thing that he didn't seem to value, that was his fatal flaw. It was like Icarus with the wings, like, 
there was no safety mechanism in the sense of, okay, we, yes, we are able to achieve this, but what happens should things not go our way? Like the door, for example, could only be opened from the outside. That is a best case scenario. Like he, for somebody who was smart, they missed the laws of our reality, which is why these sort of series, what I'm talking about is important. You need to understand the laws of our reality. You need to be prepared. There's nothing wrong with taking risks. You have to in life. To the pilot's point, he said like, getting in a car is a risk. Getting in a plane is a risk. That is true. But when you get on a plane, there are safety mechanisms to make sure that should anything happen that you, the loss of right life is reduced. The same thing with a car. You have a seat belt, right? There's, there's safety mechanisms. So you can open a car from the inside and the outside. You can open a plane from the inside and the outside. Those were his mistake in that he was so, I don't even want to say arrogant because I didn't even get that vibe from him. He just, that to me smacks of a person who life had, it's not even his fault. Life just kept giving him things. And so if you start a business and you somehow can network and contact or contact billionaires who are willing to pay $250,000 to go into some mechanism that you MacGyvered and go to some of the most dangerous places within earth, like that's good luck. Like I'm just trying to sell some t-shirts just for dystopia.com. It's one of my favorite designs. <laughs> I know it's random. Like there's no story behind it. I just like the expression surprise motherfucker. And I, I was trying to generate something else and this came up and I was like, yeah, I like that shit. That, that, that's really it. That's just story. It's just a crazy t-shirt that has no references to really anything. Yeah. And I like it. But yeah, dressfordystopia.com. I'm just trying to sell t-shirts. I'm not putting people's lives on the line. <laughs> this dude had like, he made people sign contracts where I think death was mentioned like seven times. Like there's a chance that this shit will kill you. Like you will probably die. And he got some of the most like successful people in our reality that we know about to pay a quarter of a million dollars, not once. Some of the people in that had done this like more than once, had done this trip more than once. He got them to not only pay a quarter of a million dollars, he got them to sign a piece of paper saying that, yeah, there's a chance that I'll probably, you know, kill you, right? So to have access to people with that level of wealth, that's already like luck, right? And if you are a person with that level of wealth, I have art that's not gonna kill you. <laughs> that will look great in your home. And it's not expensive at all. It's definitely not $250,000. I mean, some could be, but most of them are not $250,000. For the rest of you, if you go to joliartist.com or dressfordystopia.com, I also have prints, AI generated prints, as well as just regular prints of human generated hand-drawn um, posters as well for you to purchase and support the channel. Anyway, so that's just luck. Like this is a dude you could tell was just used to like, he had that audacity, right? He was just used to things more or less going his way. So when you MacGyver something and you have a control, like he was using like a Logitech game controller and like, I think iPads, I don't even think they were iPads. I think they were just like, they're using tablets that he just like got from the, like from the store. Like these are just things that he put together. So he felt really sure of himself. When you have things consistently going your way, that's a time for you to pause. Like, let's say that this was their fifth trip 
where no serious things had that happened, like no serious accidents had occurred, I would have said, or I would say, learn from them. By the third trip, when things were like close calls, because they had a lot of close calls, just nothing like crazy. By the third trip, he should have been like, maybe I should start reevaluating my luck and figuring out, okay, how do I make it so that I can continue to do this? He didn't do that. He just expected his luck to keep panning out. And as I've said in previous videos, if you are in a, in a negative state, right? It's always zero, zero, zero. I've talked about the binary code. See the code in, our, in past videos, see the code and past episodes. I've got full length videos, 50 minutes long, go check them out, right? Where I talk about the code and the binary code in our simulation, right? The negative and positive, the imposed duality. So if you are in a state where things are constantly negative, the one is coming, the positive is coming. It will come because it's just programmed into the game. But the inverse is rarely discussed. And the, the inverse is if you are in a state where things are consistently going your way, brace yourself. This is not to scare you, but you have to acknowledge the inverse. Brace yourself that the zero is coming. So three launches, four launches of success. Usually the first launch isn't going to go right, right? It takes a lot of failures. That's just the game. It will generate L's until you get a success. You just success. You just have to learn to take the punches. It is what it is. But if you are in that sort of statistical anomaly where the first time you attempt something, nothing bad happens, you should pay attention to that. The second time, nothing bad happens. The third time, bro, stop because something's happening. And even if he would have just maybe sent the submarine down there with like just by itself, you know what I mean? And then maybe figure out a way to, I don't even know if you could have done that, but, or sent a robot down there. If he can MacGyver a fucking submarine, he could have MacGyvered a robot and send it down there and watch to see what would happen or tested it or just hired somebody to come in and test it, right? That's your warning. You can't just succeed, succeed, succeed. I'm not saying that you won't be overall successful. I'm just saying that in order to avoid failure, complete failure, because now that, that whole ship is like imploded and all the negative press that has come with it, that's complete failure. In order to avoid complete failure so that you keep going like this, right? So I always talked about the stock market um, to my husband and he always says like, no matter what, it goes like this. Even when there's like a dip, it still goes like this. Even when there's like a crash, it still goes like this. And my always, my response is because I'm kind of primed towards the negative. I'm like, yeah, but there's also black swan events. Um, then his response is like, okay, but at that point, if it just drops like this, then we're all fucked anyway. So like it just table, table that mindset for the most part, it's a climb. So his approach is to just buy and hold stocks, which is why I stopped day trading. Cause I realized that, yeah, over time, if you're, you're, you will make more money buying and holding and just taking the hits when things dip than like trying to get in when it's you know good and then getting out when it's bad you can't time that so you're better off just holding on and just cons like being consistent just consistently holding which is parallels what i'm saying here right um but you can also take the mindset and apply that to trading right if you are even swing trading if things are going really really well for you this happened to me last year i was holding some real estate stock 
I don't remember. I think my brain, my brain like deletes bad stuff. <laughs> so I was holding the stock. Guys, I was up like 200%, something ridiculous. I was up $40,000, $40,000. My investment was not even, I think it was more than two. I was up a ridiculous amount of money from what I put in. And my cousin messaged me. I was like, you should probably get out. And I was like, no, it's going to keep going up. Now, if I had watched this video, then remember I say that the version of you, like there's different versions of you throughout time. And so you change. So the Joe that had that stock and didn't sell is not the same Joe that's talking to you right now. We are not the same because that Joe was dumb. <laughs> I'm not saying this Joe isn't dumb. But like, whoa, I know, hey, you sell. Like you sell, you come back because shit just doesn't stay like that. Take advantage. When things are good like that, go in and take advantage. You see this recurring theme when I talk about health as well. There's a different episode called like your currency, like health as well, of, of my podcast called Health as Well. When things are going well, be grateful, honestly. When your, your health is your wealth. Doesn't matter how many billions of dollars you can amass and how successful you are. True success is having a clean bill of health. You know what I'm grateful for a lot of those times when I wake up and I can breathe out of both my fucking nostrils. <laughs> it seems like something arbitrary, but man, when your nose gets stuffed, you'll miss that. You'll, at least me, I know for me, I sometimes will sit there when my, if I, my nose gets stuffed and I like think about when I took being able to breathe out of both nostrils for granted. <laughs> you, you, you're laughing, but this is legit true. Like this is, you gotta appreciate like any day that you are alive and you are healthy and you can work with, walk with both feet. Everything else is just your voice in your head, like trying to fuck up things that you should appreciate if we're being completely honest. So appreciate the fuck out of good days. Anyway, I didn't sell. I didn't sell. I was like, things are just going to keep going up because I said so. Because somehow I feel like I have magical control over the universe. And obviously I was wrong. This shit tanked. I definitely ended up taking an L to get out, but I took less of an L. <laughs> Lesson, right? The way, what I tell myself is that, you know, sometimes you, you have to pay to learn lessons and who knows? what that lesson would have cost me in the long run, taking a loss versus holding or taking the money out, you know? I know I just contradicted myself and I said like, no matter what, if you just hold over time, a stock will keep going up. But this stock in particular, that doesn't always apply by the way, that's like, there are statistical anomalies and this stock in particular was a, I should, I had no business having that stock. It wasn't like a tried and true stock. I just, I went in there purely to like make bank and then I forgot why I was in it, which was to make money. And then I like started like getting high on my own hope, hopium. And yeah, so I took that L, but that's all right. Cause if I didn't learn that lesson then I wouldn't have this anecdote to tell you, don't do that shit. And that lesson, which cost me, let's say like a couple of grand, right? It's probably, I would have had to pay the same amount and you know, books to teach me that lesson. Or maybe my, I would have just been so confident, right? If I would have timed it properly and gotten out, I would probably put that much more money back into the stock market at something even riskier and then taking a bigger hit. 
you just never know. You never know what you are being protected from. So sometimes it's better to just like be grateful for your small losses. Like I, I survived it. It didn't really cost me anything. They obviously can print more money and there's going to come a time when I'll look back and think, okay, well, in the grand scheme of things, because of inflation, that's probably not a lot of money anyway. So you got to think about things like that. I'll say that again, because I had that failure and I put failure in quotes because I had that failure, it may have stopped me from taking an even bigger L in the future because I would have been, I don't want to say arrogant, but it was that same like cocksured, you know, where you just, when things keep going your way, you don't have something in the back of you saying like, maybe chill. (laughs) maybe, you know, things might turn and just like take it easy for a bit, right? So if I would have gotten that and and pulled that money out, I keep repeating, but it's it's worth listening to, I would have then jumped back into the market, arrogant as fuck, and then probably taken a bigger hit that would have cost me more than I ended up losing in the short term to learn that lesson. So you keep that in mind. There's something to be said about humility. Humility, when I say humility, I'm not talking about like this false sense of like humility where you're like false, like you're small, like you make yourself small, right? Like when you say somebody be humble, what a lot of people think about is like, like you can't say you're intelligent, right? You can't, it's boastfulness. So don't be boastful. That's what they think of as humility, right? If you're an attractive person, you have to be like, no, I'm not. Like you gotta like, meh. Which is a weird vibe to me, by the way. I've had people say, like, if you say you're attractive, like, God will, like, punish you and make you less attractive for, like, acknowledging how attractive you are. It's a weird vibe. I think it has its, like, its origins in the story of Job, the biblical story of Job. However, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I think that's just human beings being weird and oppressing each other (laughs) with, like, fear. Um, As an artist, I paint, right? If my paintings could talk and they said to me, or not even to me, they said to each other, like one of them was like, I am fucking beautiful. Like I love the shape of my eyebrows. I love my face. I love my bone structure. I love my skin. I like the highlight. I like the shape of my eyes, like blah, 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 blah. I love my outfit. Like if they were just like hyping themselves up, I'm sorry. And I walked into the situation and all of a sudden like I'm listening to my paintings talk to each other, gassing each other up, gassing themselves up. Like that would make me feel good as a creator. Cause I busted my ass to make them look good. As opposed to walking into a situation and my paintings are like, oh my God, like I hate my face. Cause then that makes me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> like I painted you that way. So this idea that you can't talk about your qualities because your creator will harm you for acknowledging what that creator gave you is a weird vibe to me. And I push back on it. So when I say be humble, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying downplay your qualities. If you're smart, be smart. If you're talented, you're fucking talented. And I think it's okay for you to acknowledge that and own that because sometimes a lot of the most intelligent people are the least fucking secure in their own intelligence and they they doubt themselves. And they shouldn't be that way. What I'm talking about here is this, like you need to humble yourself in the sense of like one, just because you want something out of life doesn't mean that you're going to get it when you want it and in the way you want it. There's a high probability that if you want something and you are consistent and persistent and you take the hits and you learn and you keep going, that eventually you will achieve 
success on some level? Should you recognize what success is? Because that's another thing too. Success takes different forms. That's another thing you need to be humble about. And what I mean by that is that you need to understand that you are not writing the narrative here. You are not writing the story. Something else is. There is an intelligence that is orchestrating all of our paths. You are just a character in the story. For those of you who get this, life fundamentally changes. For those who want to hold on to this false sense of free will, carry on until you realize there's not much that you control. For the rest of us, if you can acknowledge that there's not much you can control, that we don't have much in terms of free will, not autonomy, free will, and that you do have a will that you can develop and that you can choose certain outcomes, but that's not freely given. It takes energy, it takes effort. You have to earn that, you have to train yourself. It is a muscle that you have to strengthen. You have to exercise your will consciously, intentionally over time. It is not freely giving and it is extremely limited. So you, if you can acknowledge and understand that there is an intelligence that is driving your path and humble yourself in the sense of understanding that you are not in control of your life or the things that happen to you. You can only control what you can control. If you can acknowledge that, life starts to change. Your relationship with life starts to change. Your relationship with other people starts to change. Your interactions with people start to change. Because you also have to take that same knowledge and project it to other people, right? Because most people are moving through life thinking that, okay, what they want is super important when they want it is most important and they deserve to get what they want when they want it, how they want it in due time. This is not, this is not a lucid dream. This is the opposite of that. If you want to be able to have whatever it is that you desire the moment that you think about it, learn how to lucid dream. If you want to be able, I'll say it again for emphasis. If you want to be able to get exactly what you want, the moment you just, you set out to achieve it, learn to lucid dream. Do that shit when you're sleeping. In this reality right now, it's not gonna happen exactly the way you want it to happen. It's not gonna happen exactly when you want it to happen. The overall desire for it, that's fine. Although sometimes you have to ask yourself where that desire even comes from. But it's there, but it's not gonna happen the way you want it to happen. And stop being a dick about it. I'm not coming for you guys. I don't know. I. <laughs> I don't know if I said this in this take or like the take that I cut up, but if I didn't, I'll say it again. When I'm talking on the podcast, I'm talking to myself. Now, I am willing to acknowledge, especially we talked about in the Midwitch Cuckoos, I mentioned it yesterday, not yesterday, in the last episode, one mind occupying, occupying different forms and there being different groups of hive minds, right? So if you're resonating with this and you've been thinking about this, you're probably a part you're of my hive mind. Like you're probably, probably with the same mind occupying different forms. So when I'm talking, I'm not coming at you. I'm talking to myself, which is probably also you. So when I say I want something, I can't be a dick about it. It may not happen when I want it. It can't happen how I want it, exactly how I want it, in the timeline I want it, because there's so much happening in our reality right now. The fact that we still exist and like this planet hasn't exploded is like wow to me. 
or whatever. But clearly, there's all of these sort of overlapping storylines and narratives and things that that my simple desire for something, I shouldn't be mad that I don't get it the instant that I thought about it. This is not my dream. We are co-dreaming our reality. It's a consensus reality. And so, yes, my desire pops up, but how that's going to look, how my eventually attaining a particular desire, I can't be attached to that. You've got to learn to just be like, okay. I had a friend, I have a friend, who prides himself in being stubborn. Like they'll make a joke and they'll say like, oh, you have a very stubborn And the other day I asked them, I was like, do you think being stubborn is a good thing? And at first they paused and then they said, yes. And I was like, how? How is continuously resisting life a good thing? And how has that, where has that gotten you in life? Just continuously having your way. In your mind, you've decided that what you want is the best for all involved. And then you just try to impose your will onto the other person. And then should you win, you feel good, like you've gotten your way. But was your way, how do you know 100% of the fact that your way was actually the right way? Or are you just blindly just trying to get your way because you're stubborn and it makes you feel superior and powerful? Now, I'm not coming for that person because as I was talking to them, I was also talking to myself. I'm what is called a type A personality. It's funny, um, I just started watching Suits and I was talking to a friend of mine and um, they were saying like, what characters, what like, who do we most identify with, right? And th- there's two female characters. There is um, Meghan Markle's character, I think her name is Rachel. And then there is Gina Torres's character, and I think her name is Jessica. And of course, it's like immediately my mind goes to the power player, <laughs> not to like the sweet kind of like. No, it's like the the one, the head bitch in charge, the boss. Like that's where my mind immediately goes. Or even one up, like why am I even living with myself to like a gender Harvey? Although to me, I feel like Harvey is a little soft. If we're being honest, right? but that's my brain. Like I, I need to be in control of everything and be the dominant one. Like I've got issues there with control. And <laughs> I was thinking to myself the other day, like why, what does it, how has it ever served you to always be right? to win arguments. Cause I'm really good at winning arguments, but I don't always, just because I win an argument doesn't mean I get my way. And there's a disconnect there. It doesn't matter how good a lawyer you are, if the judge doesn't like you, <laughs> or the judge is like, maybe they, there was an article that said somewhere that like, if you have a court case, you want to try to get a case that's closer, like in the morning than at night or in the evening, because when they start the day, they're more likely to rule favorably, but by the end of the day, their energy is depleted, so they're more likely to rule against you. It doesn't matter how good a lawyer you are, it's depending on how the judge feels. All right, so I was very good. I'm very good at arguing and getting my way, right? But like, to what end? And so this is, like I said, I'm not coming for you guys. I have to fucking handle myself too, because what, what has it served me? Case in point, flowers. My husband likes buying me flowers. And for years, I was like, I don't like flowers. I don't like flowers. Don't buy me flowers. And he just kept buying me flowers, which it's like, okay, that's a power play within itself. Like that's a battle of wills. That's him. He and I are constantly button heads because we're both stubborn and we're both dominant. And it's just like, you keep doing that. You're gonna like break each other down. That's not helpful. Somebody needs to give. 
or both people need to be. We've done that, right? And then lately, I decided, like, it's not about the fucking flowers, Joe. Like, stop. Stop insisting on your own way. Stop insisting on always being right. What happens if you take a different perspective and just go, okay, let's let's see. The flowers aren't harming me. It's not like he's giving me poison and forcing me to drink. He just likes buying flowers. The reason why I don't like flowers is because you watch them die. So you take something that's beautiful and then over time they fall apart and they're just like memento mores. Like they're just a constant reminder of your own death and your own impa- impending death and beauty fading and things like that. Right, but that's me just being me. So then the other day I was like, you know what? I want flowers. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, I want to try something different instead of constantly being like in control and like tense all the time and wanting to win, 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 win. Let's try your way. It's a silly analogy, but I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from. It's not even an analogy. It's what fucking happened. And I took the lesson from it. I hope it's helpful to you too. So he bought me flowers and I appreciated the flowers when they were alive. And then as the water drained, I didn't refill the water. I just let that shit drain. And then... I looked at the flowers and I realized that even in death, there was a certain type of beauty in them. There were sunflowers and then the accompanying sort of like, there were these like sprigs that were blue, like a violet, like a violet blue, indigo blue actually. And then there were um, these magenta ones. And then when they died, they didn't lose their color. In fact, I thought that that was fascinating. And even without water, they still retained the vibrancy. They maybe have not been as you know, alert, right? There's some drooping, the leaves are falling. If you touch them, there's like mold kind of creeping in, creates this sort of fuzziness. But there was still beauty in those flowers. And had I just paused long enough to look at that instead of just arbitrarily determining I don't like flowers because they die, which is not even me. It's my internal monologue looking for a fucking problem because that's what it does. It makes a problem out of everything. So if I just pause long enough, 333, uh, to, to just look at something from a different perspective, then all of this pushback and like fighting would have been used. Like it just was, well, would not have happened because they were a tremendous waste of time. So now I like the flowers. Now the flowers are everywhere and they've died. They've died but there's still beauty even in their death. And then it made, me, it made me remember that when I was younger, I would actually get roses and intentionally like hang them upside down so that when they, like, they die, they dry properly. And then I liked the dead flowers. So somewhere between me being adamant of I need things to be my way I'd forgotten that actually I don't mind dead flowers. In fact, as a young child, I loved, I almost preferred dead flowers. Like I liked them when they were alive, but I preferred dead flowers because I was a weird child. And I watched a lot of like dark shit, like <laughs> not dark, like macabre, just like dark, like the Adams family. Um, I really loved the Adams family. So like that was, I was like a weird kid who, even though I dressed like this, like my proclivities were Gothic. And yeah, like that was just, I would listen to like, metal and I just, I was a weird kid. Uh, <laughs> but I, I realized that. So you, you, when you're so busy insisting in your, on your own way, you never try something new and that's a very closed minded approach to life. And you miss beauty by being in that way, by being that way. What's, why, why? what's the point of getting my way? And if you can take that same mindset and then apply it to life, life becomes better. See, the Buddha says the 
the that attachment is the root cause of suffering. And so most people take that to mean that you have to be detached from life. But I want to offer a different perspective. What if instead of being detached from life, what if instead of interpreting that phrase that attachment is the root cause of suffering, what if you reinterpret it to mean that attachment to the things that you want, the way you want it, not necessarily the outcome, right? It's okay to want and to desire something, right? Which a lot of Buddhists say you shouldn't have any desires. My, my thought process is it's okay to desire something. Like you have to live, you're gonna desire shit. I can't sit under the Bodhi tree. I'm not going to, I want to do shit. But maybe instead of detaching from wanting shit, maybe you can detach from having to have things go exactly the way you want them to go. What if you detach from forcing outcomes? What if you just go, this is kind of what I would like to happen, but I acknowledge that I'm not the writer in the story and that at any point in time, things could come up that I wouldn't have even considered. And instead of resisting it, I just have to learn to just go with the flow and let life create with me. I've talked about this in past episodes before, but it's worth repeating. So when I paint, when I used to paint when I was younger, I would have an idea of what I wanted the painting to be. And then I would fight. And it was this battle of me trying to force the painting to be how I outlined it into my head. What I'm learning is this two letter word, sometimes four letters. Okay, four letter word and the piece that comes with that. And that word is, okay. Who is to say that things are supposed to look a particular way or be a particular way or play out in a particular way? Think about all of the arguments that you've had with people where you say something and then they say something else and now you're fighting. What happens or what would have happened if instead of going back and forth, they said, you said your piece, they said their piece. And then instead of trying to insist that you were right, and instead of them trying to insist that they were right, you just said, okay. And then you just let life show, be the judge. Because we're not, when you go into arguments with people, it's almost like there's some sort of like invisible judge that you're both trying to convince is right. But if you realize that there's nobody really like judging you, it's y'all judging each other, unless you're going to turn around and tell the story to somebody else, which that is your choice. I do that shit all the time, actually. But for the most part, there's like not an invisible, there's no judge that you can see anyway, judging you. And if there are aliens watching us <laughs> live our lives, that's not my fucking problem, right? Like I've stated my opinion, but my opinion is just my opinion. It is my perspective. My perspective isn't invalidated simply because yours is a different perspective from mine. And I cannot invalidate your perspective because that's come out from your life experiences. You can't even control that shit. You can control all the shit that happened to you so you can't control your perspective. You can't control your mindset and the shit that you think right now. What is me arguing with you going to do except for just piss me off and get my emotions brought up and now I'm mad and now I'm not talking to you? What was the point? I think back at every disagreement that I've had with the person where I said my piece, they said their piece, I said my piece again, instead of just going like, yeah, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't working for me. I, I'm not, there's no judge. I'm not going back and forth with you in this moment in time. I don't want to keep going. Let's take a break, take a step away from it. And then maybe we revisit or maybe life teaches one of us who's right, at least in this present moment in space time. How much more peaceful would my life have been? How many more people would, been, would have been in my life 
had I just been able to say, okay, that's fine. Okay. Okay. There is the, the Zen story. I always like to kind of refer back to, and I can't remember how it goes, but I'm going to butcher it. I think if you Google Zen story, is that so? It'll, it'll pop up. So sorry about this, like Zen master. I don't remember his name. It's like Atuin or something like that, but he was well-respected, right? So there was a positive. The positive is he was well-respected. It was a one. And then this woman, this young girl in his village became pregnant and then blamed him for the pregnancy, claimed that impregnated her, right? And then everyone in the village turned against him and he ended up raising this child that wasn't his own. So then that was the zero. So then he raised this child all his life, like not all of his life, but he raised a child for like a year. And then the girl finally told the truth to her parents. They come back to take the baby and then they apologize, right? And then he goes, okay, is that so? But every time there's a change, something that seems positive, he just, his response to it is, is that so? And then when it goes and becomes negative, he doesn't resist life. He just goes with it and goes, is that so? And then when things become positive again, he doesn't really, he's not attached to what's happening he just goes, is that so? This then. I'm not saying you just like accept all the crazy shit that's happening to you. At any point in time, like to use that story, he could have been like, this not my goddamn baby. Like I'm not raising this child. But maybe in the story, that was the only, you know, viable option. Like he, if, if he hadn't taken the baby and then the baby would have died. And then he probably was like, all right, I'm gonna raise this kid. Whatever. Free kid. Right. I don't know. Depends on how he looked at it. Maybe him getting the kid. <laughs> free kid. Free child. You know what I mean? Maybe he wanted a child. Um, so maybe that was a positive. We don't know. Once again, we're kind of imposing our ideas onto the mind of the Zen master as to what was positive and what was negative. Same situation, depending on the perspective, that could have been a positive, him getting the baby or a negative. You don't know. But the idea is that you can, you have this sort of openness to life, or just this willingness of, okay, this is not what I wanted. I've just had a temper tantrum. <laughs> Fine. I will accept what life has given to me as it comes. If I can't change things, right, then I will accept it. Just going with it. That has been really helpful for me. And I'm recording this video so that future me doesn't forget to do this. Hi, future Joe. Don't forget to do this. Like when people are behaving in a particular way, just say, okay. When life presents you with things that you can't control, there's literally nothing else that you can do but just accept that shit. I keep thinking, every time I keep talking about acceptance, I keep thinking about, just for dystopia.com, I keep thinking about um, the Rodney King beating for whatever reason, but um, the police and he's like resisting. And then this is, I have a dark humor, sorry. I don't find that funny. I just, just, okay. But <laughs> stop resisting, stop resisting. And that kind of happens with us in life, right? Life is like the police. It's just fucking, we're resisting and it's like, stop resisting. A terrible analogy, but you get my point. My point is be like water. That's probably a better analogy than police brutality. Sorry. Um, be like water in the sense of sometimes you have to really literally just go with the flow. Okay. Is quickly becoming my like my favorite.
four letter word. It used to be fuck. I like, I like fuck. I like the way it sounds, how it rolls off my tongue. But okay is quickly becoming my favorite four letter word because it just goes, okay. And I find even the energy behind it. It's like when, when your partner's like, what do you want to eat for dinner? And then you go, well, you choose. And then they choose something. And then your brain wants to be like, no, I'd rather just say, okay, try that. See how that feels. <laughs> See how that feels. Going back to the story that I asked at the beginning of the video. So I mentioned this, right? Think about lottery, people who win the lottery very quickly how quickly they blow it because they haven't had to earn millions of dollars. That shit was just given to them. If you had to work for a million dollars, you respect that. If you were just given a million dollars, you're gonna blow that shit. You might think you win in the lottery is a good thing at the beginning, but I always see these documentaries where they interview lottery winners and then they find out like they ended up even like more broke than before they won the lottery. Obviously this does not apply to everybody, but there's something to be said about a slow methodical climb to the finish line as opposed to just having everything go the way you want it to go exactly how you want it to go something to think about really i go back to my sort of my channel and and this is just full disclosure because i don't have anything to really hide it is what it is like i'm just i'm a human being going through life when i so on my tiktok channel it was like i hit like three hundred thousand. And it's, it's since because I've not been active, it's dropped down. It is what it is. They actually drop that, the numbers down to keep you chasing that wheel or whatever, just keep you producing, even though you don't want to kind of thing. That's how it works. So, um, I had 300,000 and I wasn't happy. I mean, I was happy, but I wasn't happy in the sense of like, I wanted it to be more. And I would go and I would compare this is real talk and we all do the shit. So don't, I mean, you can judge me, but you're judging yourself. We're all one. Right. So I would go and compare and I would go, well, I'm, you know, what I'm talking about is more important than what this person is talking about. And, you know, like that person is only dancing and they've got like 10 million, whatever, hundred million followers. And I'm actually talking about important stuff, right? Be humble, be humble. I have learned a lot from a slow method, method why can't I say this word? <laughs> methodical, methodical. I have learned more. I've had better content. I've had information that people keep messaging me, DMing me and saying like, thank you. From the slow approach to where I want to go or where I think I want to go, where I've arbitrarily decided based on my internal monologue telling me, well, this is where you should really be aiming for, which I need to tackle that. But I've had more messages from people saying like, thank you for these videos. They have been very helpful. And I don't think I would have had that same level of impact had I shot from like zero to like 10 million overnight. That's a different type of Joe would have emerged from that level of fast success than the version of Joe that's interacting with you right now, that is doing things and trying things and okay, Let's switch from just audio only to like visual, you know, podcast. Now let's talk about these things. Let's do clips. There's so much more I'm learning in the slow climb than I maybe would not have been able to take my time to learn and become comfortable with and become familiar with had I had a very like rocket fueled charge. And something my husband actually said to me, he was like, Joe, 
your you need to reevaluate what your measure of success is because I think that you think that you're not successful until you hit a certain real talk, guys. And I'm only saying that I'm usually a very private person, but this is important because somebody watching this I know is going to take something from this. So I'm willing to sort of talk about this, all right? You're marching towards what you think is success. And in your mind, you think success means having a certain amount of YouTube subscribers, making a certain amount of money on YouTube, being invited to these events, this, that, and the other, and having a certain level of exposure. That is what your mind has is telling you success is. And that definition comes from living in a capitalistic society. That is what we are told success is. And he said it would behoove you. He doesn't use words like behoove. I am. <laughs> I'm rephrasing. Um, but he's basically saying that he would be, it would behoove you. I just like the word behoove. If you looked at success as something different, you don't really need millions of subscribers on YouTube. What you wanted to do was talk to people. And so every person that interacts with you and says, thank you, because I watched this video, my life is better. My perspective has changed, right? That is success. Your idea is impacting a person's mindset, which will then impact their way of life, which will then ripple out. And you don't know what all of these sort of like butterfly effects that occur, how that you were here. Like the story, and, and that was very, that was fulfilling for me. I feel successful now. When you guys, I don't always have the time to comment. I don't always have the time to respond to like messages in the Telegram group, but I will find the time. I always will eventually find the time, just not in real time because I'm just ADDs kicking in. I'm doing like a million things, but I do read the messages and they hit me here and that makes me feel good. So much so that I've actually gone back and I don't know if you guys probably reckon, noticed that for a long time I've taken all my videos down from TikTok because I threw a tantrum. Well, this isn't going the way I want it to, and I'm upset, all right? It happens, right? So I threw a tantrum, because in my mind, I allowed my internal monologue to define what success was. And because reality was not reflecting this arbitrary sort of like definition of what success was, I was unhappy. See, we allow our internal monologue to like fuck us up, to make us unhappy. And so the pivot to people saying, thank you, I don't feel crazy. That within itself is success because I always felt sort of isolated. And so if it's just one person to go, I no longer feel isolated, that is success because they're not crazy. We're just thinking outside the box. And if that person or those people now feel emboldened by their own mind and they've accepted that, no, there's nothing wrong with me, right? I'm just different and then they're emboldened by their differences, who knows what that person or those people will do that will overall affect reality. So I'm serving my purpose, that success. Everything else is just a bonus, right? The, the silly things that you can see, the arbitrary numbers that can be fucked with, right? To, to force you to promote more, the likes, all of that shit, doesn't, they don't matter. It's the impact. Are you having a meaningful impact on your fellow man and your fellow woman? 
are people's lives better simply because you exist? Because life is fucking hard sometimes. Not all the time, zero, one, one, zero, right? But a lot of the time shit's annoying. So if your work is having a meaningful impact, even if it's something not as like seen, right? It's something not as like observable, but your work is still important. You're serving your purpose. Overall, that's success. People always send me like, like articles and stuff regarding art. We're starting to see more and more like, like Bridgerton, things like that, that kind of echo what I've been painting for years. And that I'm just happy, you know, because I'm part of that. It's this, this collective where we're all kind of playing a part within the collective. I don't need fiscal success because I mean, I'm, I'm fine financially, right? So maybe th- my intention or my purpose is simply just to reach people, not necessarily to like, it, it may not be millions of people. I, I don't even think I, honestly, the more I think about it, do you want that level of exposure? Because do you want those like that level of like, oh, like exposure, like that many people aware of you? I don't know if I do. I think I like the fact that that's like a small group of people understand what I'm saying because those people are the ones who are actually making meaningful impacts in the world because they have the ability to because they're the ones who aren't following the line. They're the ones who think outside the box. It's the dreamers and the outliers. They are the ones that shape the collective and move the collective. And so I'd rather be talking to those people, but it took me time. This is real talk. I'm not ashamed to, to admit that this is obviously these are my thought processes. It is what it is. This is these are life lessons. Humble yourself. So I wrote in the notes, would you rather succeed early on or after an appreciably gradual and slow climb? At the end of the day, when things go too fast, too quickly, you don't have the time to fine tune things, right? Your, your, your foundation isn't properly established. There's nothing that I can think of that shoots up really fast that lasts. So back to the question I asked in the beginning of the video, if you had a chance, you get success in a month, success in a year, success in 10 years, which would you choose? Be humble, trust and understand that reality does not have to bend to your will. You don't control reality. You are just a part of it. You are a subscriber within a simulation if you subscribe to the simulation hypothesis. So as things come up, let okay be your favorite four letter word. That's just what was supposed to happen today. That's literally something I consistently tell myself when I want things to go one way and it doesn't, or when things are quiet, when I want there to be noise, I just tell myself like that's just what was supposed to happen today. You go do something else. The one is coming. And when things are going too, 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 too positive, I go, okay, the zeros are coming, adjust accordingly, but always be humble and not in the lowly sense. This is very important. You are allowed to say that you are intelligent, that you are graceful, that you are kind, that you're beautiful. Like you are allowed to point these out, things out to yourself. That's okay. But this attachment to things have to go the way I want it to go when I want them to go because I want them to to go my way. That is not a humble mindset. That is the, the mindset of a king or a tyrant. And oftentimes the tyrants 
and kings are usually not at peace because they're constantly fighting a battle against nature. Reminds me of, I don't remember the Persian, I think he was actually featured in 300. I don't remember his name though, but it was like a Persian king. And he had the, it might've been Persian, but he had the ocean flogged because it wasn't doing what he wanted to do. Like the madness of it, like that's where we are when we insist and are attached to outcomes and to things and to pe people and, and whatever behaving in a particular way. It's like, you're not in control, bro. Like you're just, it's like whooping the ocean. It is what it is, right? You have to learn to navigate the ocean, not whip it. That you're just exerting energy that doesn't serve anything. You know, if things aren't going the way you want it to go, that's just what was supposed to happen. And that's okay. Thanks for watching.